Chris, how are you going? Good, good to see you guys. Good. Um, thanks everyone for joining us today. Um, just a little bit about what we're going to do. Um, so this is the first of what's going to be a weekly discussion with the company and um, we chose our good mate Vince first to go. Um, so obviously AVL is one of our favourites here at 180 Markets, but um, we've called it off the charts and basically we, we know a lot of people look at the charts and the technicals and the short-term movements, but we thought it would be good to get a weekly one of these where we discuss fundamentals um, and just get a bit closer into the company and the people involved. And um, yeah, it's I think it's a great way to understand the company. And um, it, you, you may not be convinced that you want to buy something now or sell something if you own it, but you'll learn a lot more about the companies and the um, the future announcements that you've got to watch out for and the news that's coming. And um, yeah, so it, it's a great way to educate yourself. Exactly. And what better way to start out with somebody that is delivering on their promises? We know that can't always be said, Vincent, in uh, with small capitalization companies, but you have delivered so far and that's great. And, you know, with that, Vincent, maybe if you could just back up for a second and just tell everybody about, you know, the last year, you know, the company has been, you know, it's nothing short of transformational. It's obviously reflective in your share price. But what have you seen over the last year, you know, in your mind? Yeah, I think, Greg, uh, thanks for the opportunity, guys, and good to be with, with you guys again. And, and hopefully a few investors that are on the call um, benefited from the last couple of months. And and the year or two with the two raisins you've done with you in the past. So, um, look, I think in terms of transformational, um, it's always difficult when you're bringing, giving birth to something of this size and scale. Um, there are not many of these projects in the world. So, um, you know, there's only three operating mines of this, of this type in the world. Uh, and that's sort of, you know, when you look at it on the face of it, a big challenge to try and meet. But um, the world's sort of gone through a couple of eruptions over the last couple of years. And that's, um, it could have gone, you know, the wrong way for everybody. And I think a lot of the resource companies, especially with the transformation of uh, societal transformation around um, green metals and so on, has been very, very helpful um, for AVL and it's been helpful for a lot of other companies. But I think that for us, it's been about nose to the grindstone sort of stuff. And I know that's a bit uh, painful at, at times for people. That can be a little bit painful at times um, when you've got transformational that's okay <laughs> sorry hang on yeah greg i'll answer okay. for you okay. <laughs> <laughs> it can be transformational um it can be you know disruptive to have to get all those things done um and it can you know sometimes take a little time for the companies to get this done but the investors need to understand that in the resource space things can go really quickly and then they can go really slowly for a time in between but no one in this in these companies, and myself included, and my team, and a lot of the other companies you might invest in, you just know that the guys are really working hard. All the junior companies work really, really hard at what they do. Um, it might not look like it sometimes from the outside, but it, normally it's like a it's the old duck on the water, right? You'll see a company doing something. It looks like they're not putting anything out, but in the backyard, someone is working hard trying to get those results out, trying to make that discovery, trying to finish that study, and and that's really where we've been coming from. Um, so for us, it's been a good year in that sense because we've we've made some fundamental changes. We brought some good people onto the board um, that have got some uh, some great firepower, 
uh, and some good credibility and we've done good work as well. And, and look, the markets have been kind to us and um, we've also seen those changes starting to bear fruit. So we're looking forward to the next year's ahead. Yeah. And Vincent, you know, there's obviously, I suppose, that the most recent announcement is your new funding. Can you just talk about that a little bit? And also maybe, again, you, you alluded to that there's a lot of hard work behind the scenes. What did it take to get that, that grant? Yeah, look, so we found, we've got a very good team. We work with the team at EY here in Perth. Um, they are been working with us for five or six years on our, on our every, every year we do an R&D uh, tax claim. Um, so they understand us well, they understand our business model and our research. And research is a fundamental part of what we do um, as part of, you know, both on the geology side and on the, on the processing side, always trying to innovate and cut that edge. And then the Australian government's got a great system in place for that. So on the back of that, we've seen we've already won two previous grants um, in recent times. Um, those previous grants um, have set us up effectively for this one. And when we when it came time to, and that application became a possibility, uh, the board approved us to put quite a lot of effort into it. It was a big application, but it had a big prize. And we thought, well, let's put, let's put the effort in. Um, our EY team, along with our technical team here in the, in the office, already you know, knuckled down. We got a lot of letters of support from around the world, uh, partners and so on, but it was a big effort, right? It was uh, it was a significant effort in time and, and, and some money. Um, I mean, it cost us about 150 odd grand to put that in, but if you look at return on that sure. 150 grand, not only did we get um, a $49 million grant, which really sets us up to move to the, to the next level. But that effort actually solidified a lot of other things we needed to be done anyway for for the uh, for the upcoming um uh financing of the whole project including cost models um policies and esg policies and then setting out our our renewable objectives in terms of moving towards net zero on the project all of those are critical things when it comes to funding for these bigger projects so vince um i know you haven't released the bfs yet but is that still roughly going to be about a quarter of the 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 cash needed yeah, look it's a big chunk um if i can put it that way right uh, sean it's a big chunk and it makes a big dent in the equity return so yeah um if you apply it overall obviously knocking 50 off a of a five or six hundred number is going to be a big number right in terms of aussie that's still a big big percentage if you apply it only to the to the uh, equity portion um assuming you're going to get say 50 or 60 percent of debt on this thing it's got it generates a lot of cash flow Yep. when it's in full production. So you apply to the equity portion. So a shareholder has basically got the government come in, not as a shareholder, but they've given they've given money to sure. make the project stop. That's what they're there for. They, these projects are hard to fund in some ways because they're rare earth projects or they, they effectively fall into the same bucket as rare earth projects. They're not, um, they, they're not easy to get over the line with some of the banks because they don't have price discovery on the commodity. So the, the traditional banks look at these things and go, oh, we don't know anything about this commodity. Lithium is the same. Rare right. earths, uh, cobalt, all of these things, vanadium sits in that space. They say they can't, they can't be sure of the pricing, so they need confirmed offtake, and they also want to be able to see um, how they're going to get going. So this sort of funding that the government's put forward, despite some criticism from outside, uh, outside parties, it's what's needed for these projects to get off in Australia to establish those supply chain uh, controls. And that's why, they, that's why they gave it to a nickel cobalt company 
to a rare earth company and a vanadium company because those industries that get developed are going to be generational they're not just one-off things that happen for a five-year gold mine right these things are going to be there for many many years and that's where we fit in so this this chunk of of of, of injection of of funding pushes our equity returns up significantly higher from where we would be before and that's a benefit for the shareholders right yeah, if it's and obviously for anyone who's interested, it's a you know simple mathematical calculation. You're putting up less equity, the you know returns go up dramatically. But also, if it's just to drill down, you said for the BFS that this is critical as well. So now, does it make it those discussions with bank or bankers or, and financiers will it just become so much easier that that they see this grant behind the company? Well, I think the 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 uh, the, the proponent of the grant is is the main. Yeah, right. So you've now got the Australian government putting putting in, um, you know, saying, okay, we've we've looked at this thing in some detail, and we didn't do a, it's not a five-page document, right? This is a few hundred-page document we've put in. They've they've dragged it through their various uh, independent auditors and other things, and they've looked at it and said, okay, well, we'll we'll give it a go, give this one a go, and uh, on the back of that, you've now got the Australian government in that position saying, let's get this going. And that helps tremendously with any discussion. Right, got it. You know, just turning it a little bit now, Vince, maybe do you have a, a presentation available? Yeah, I've got a few slides here. We'll, we, can, we can run through a few. Yeah, I think it'd be really helpful just to visualize and see what exactly is going on. I and then we'll open up the floor after that for questions. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll just hit a few high points. I'll try not to dwell on a few things. I'll, I might jump around a bit. I've got a lot of slides here. So. I won't stick on too many. I might just uh, cherry pick a little bit for, for the people out there. Video. I think he's okay too. Can I you share? Are you good to share your screen? Four panels. Yep. Just hang on one sec. I'm just going to screen. Just hang on one second. I'm just going to move this away. I've had a few issues with uh, Zoom and, sh and sharing on this machine. So hopefully we don't experience those today. Okay. How does that look? Yeah, it's starting. Well done. All right, let's hope it doesn't jump around too much. So I'm just going to get in here and go. Okay, cool. There's nothing in this presentation um, that is not out there in the market anyway, just in terms of um, uh, in one shape or form. Uh, it's not, the presentation is not, itself is not on the ASX, uh, but most of the content is in previous presentations and um, in ASX announcements. So, um, just, I've just updated this just a few minutes ago, actually, just because I thought it was out of date. You know, the market cap, the chart is not up to date because that chart should run up to just under six cents or five and a half cents. Stock obviously responded very well to the grant. And then the subsequent announcement of a second letter of intent for our byproduct, uh, which is really important. Moving, the good thing about this is it moves the market cap of the company into a zone where we're getting uh, significant interest from. From institutional level shareholders and others which uh, helps us in our quest to get funding the register of this company is very open um, you can see the top 20 only holds about 25 percent of the company in there um, and that that makes for good trading the the updated uh, daily traded volume there is not 11.7 anymore if you look at the traded volumes over the last few days been quite significant yeah just a quick look at the team most importantly We've got a team and that team is vanadium focused, a lot of experience in not only corporate markets, um, both small and large, Cliff and, and Les being having operated on either end of those for a long period of time and very good at them. Daniel and Todd, um, excellent operators in terms of the vanadium space. I, I fall in the geology 
Annalisa's come on board as our, as our CFO and is providing fantastic support to the company and the board. Back in the back office, two brilliant engineers there, Greg and Trevor, and, and, our, and our very experienced uh, principal geos, uh, Tony and, and, and Gemma. Ashley's joined us. He's got a very wide range of experience, um, right from processing all the way through to geology. And, and Sam is running our vSAN entity and does a fantastic job of controlling the marketing. Um, this slide is getting quite busy now in terms of our focus. HCF, our data advisors out of London, um, and then on the bottom here, our, our flow battery partners, E22, Cellcube, and VFlow Tech. Um, there's a lot of people got into the work that we've been doing recently. Just a quick summary of that grant. Again, we've talked about it. It is a collaboration grant, so it, it, it makes an assumption that two sets of collaboration work will go on, and those are part of our milestones. I was asked yesterday, how does the, how does the payments of these grants work? Well, they're based on milestones. So we set up a series of milestones. The government agrees with those milestones, and then we meet those milestones by delivering certain um, activities and, and actions. And uh, that's how the grant structure works. Um, some of those milestones are related, in our case, to, to um, uh, a green hydrogen delivery strategy, and we partnered with ATCO um, on there uh, to help us deliver hydrogen gas to the, um, to the uh, refinery or the processing plant, where we will in include it in our uh, gas stream for the roaster, and, and thereby reducing our overall footprint of that roaster. That's an experimental exercise with ATCO, and it'll be an offtake agreement with them to take all their hydrogen from their new arena-funded plant. And that'll then grow as the supply of hydrogen in that area grows, and we can consume more hydrogen in our project and hence reduce our footprint. That's very important for funding, uh, by the way, because ESG funding around green credentials are very important these days. And obviously the other side, um, and the, the listeners here, uh, will also know about Briar Resources, uh, who've done some work with um, 180 before. Briar have uh, a significant resource of nickel, nickel copper, um, AVL holds the cobalt rights from the tailing stream of the AVL project. So when we make, when we make take the vanadium and we upgrade the concentrate, we send out a tailing stream, which is a fine silica-rich stream. In there is a sulfide uh, component. That sulfide component has a one-to-one nickel-cobalt um, credit, which we're able to recover. And, and Briar will significantly benefit from this collaboration by what we do. Um, in the future, and is, is, is by the way, significantly undervalued uh, because of that, um, you know, in spite of that credit. Just a quick look at the markets. What is vanadium used for? It is a steel component. That is its primary use. It's made in China. 60% of the vanadium is made in China and used in China, but it's, it drives demand. And when the Chinese economy is growing, the vanadium consumption is growing with it. But elsewhere in the world, uh, and more recently, uh, the Western world, um, uh, Europe and North America, use a lot of vanadium on their own. They probably account for about 30% uh, of the rest of the vanadium use in the world uh, in terms of consumption. Uh, but they get a lot of their vanadium from South Africa and, um, and Russia. So there's an interesting um, segue there on will the Russian supply um, be able to be absorbed into Europe or where will it go? And um, or will it stop entirely? So that is having an effect on the price today uh, because there's about 10% of the market coming from the Russian suppliers uh, through Evres, um, which is now uh, in, in a sort of a backward movement. Obviously, the chemical aerospace market is, is, is booming, going to be booming again. 
jet engine turbine blades, other aerospace applications, but also some military applications in there as well. Chemical uses in, in acid um, catalysts. And then our, our most exciting area and the biggest growth potential is the use of vanadium energy storage. And really that's the large part of the story for AVL is how this market grows. And we're very interested in making that market grow significantly. Um, I'll just skip this slide. It's just to produce a slide, but um, the vanadium price is, is quite a volatile beast up to date. But going forward, we're seeing um, a very large opportunity for AVL in stabilizing this price in that five to $10 range, or sorry, yeah, five to $10 range for the longer term, where we can uh, significantly benefit from a low operating cost and, and generate the cash flows we expect. Just for reference, the, if we, um, our, our competitor Largo Resources out of Brazil listed on TSX, just put out their annual um, figures. They had a pretty good year, not the best year, but they had a pretty good year. Um, if investors want to go and look at their annual figures, you can get some idea of what a fully operational AVL will look like um, in terms of what their cash flow generation is like um, over time. You know? And that's that's really, they produce about the same amount as we plan to produce. So, um, and we can probably do it at a similar cost to them. So it's worth having a look at Largo in your independent research. This is the growth curve. You can see that growth from steel is relatively modest, but growth from the battery market is predicted to outstrip it and cause a disruption in that market. Hey, Vincent, just a quick question. So is Largo in your mind, even though it's listed in Toronto, a, a, a true comparable? Yes, okay. absolutely. Comparable in most ways. They, they have a slightly higher concentrate grade, but their operating cost, um, yeah, it's, it's the best comparison because it's, it's what we've been basing our, um, our own work on. We need to get to where Logo is in terms of a, a competitor. Um, and, and that's our target market. Our sizing is really similar. Um, we were some, some differences, but generally, if we can get ourselves to a position where we can operate in a Logo like fashion, uh, we'll be doing very well. Got it. We can also when they had when they started up, they they made a few mistakes at startup, and we've obviously also spent our time learning from those things. That we don't want to do those things either. So it's it's good to have a comparison. So we've got some offtake, a lot of work to do on the offtake side, but um, with the BFS released, we'll be able to um, really lock in some of these um, focuses non-Chinese offtake, and also starting to lock in offtake with the cell with the uh, flow battery manufacturers. They need security of supply as they grow. The co-product we mentioned, this is a differentiator for AVL. We'll be making a crushed pellet. This is our pellet. Um, the top one is the thing we call a green pellet. And then we roast it and turns into that pellet on the right-hand side. And then when we finish that, we bring it out and we crush it. And that's the iron titanium product after we've taken the vanadium out. So that's our iron titanium co-product. It's a 55% FU product. It has a very specific destination um, and a very specific market. And we've really started to lock it in. It's a really key part of our, of our strategy. And it is a totally differentiating strategy for AVL because of the location of the project we've decided to use. But just looking at that, that's really critical. Understanding the, the geography of our project. Where is it? The mine and the concentrator are located up near Mikathara in Western Australia. Um, that's a very remote location and it's, it's got um, uh, no gas available. So we decided in our, in our second PFS that it was economically viable to move the gas, uh, move our processing plant, which is gas hungry, closer to the gas itself. And 
That's 190 kilometers of new gas we would have to put in if we put it into the processing plant, sorry, to the concentrator. And we decided that that was a, a hurdle that we didn't want to meet. Um, so we've got a 20 kilometer pipeline down here at the processing plant. A lot of opportunities open up by moving that down, including uh, we, the processing plant can outlive the mine. In other words, other mining operate, other resources can be processed through that processing plant. So if you imagine our resources currently sit at 25 years in terms of what we can mine in this iteration, we've got about another uh, 10 or 15 million tons that we haven't accounted for, are still inferred resources that we can bring in. So let's call that another four or five years of mining. And then we've got other resources in the region that we can take advantage of and put through this processing plant over time. But now we're talking 25, 30, 35, 40 years. And that's the, that is the lifespan of one of these processing plants. We're not going to build it for, you know, for five years. It's going to be built for a long time. Being close to the coast is a significant benefit and also allows us to add the byproduct credit to the project, which makes us totally unique uh, on a global level. The port, the city of Geraldton, the people, the staff, the access to gas, water, um, power, renewable energy, hydrogen, all that sort of stuff comes in really helpful by being there. Um, these metrics will be updated and I won't dwell on them, but um, the left-hand side uh, pretty much outlines uh, our, uh, our resource uh, setup. Uh, those are going to be st static. Uh, our byproduct is static. Um, we will be updating, obviously, our CapEx and OpEx uh, in the coming weeks and months while we get this thing done. So what are our differentiators? We've got a very good ore body globally. It's, you can see this picture, it's very clean, um, and that's really beneficial. The way we've chosen to mine it and process it will give us a clean concentrate, and therefore we can optimize our recovery. But good, good, good status with um, the, 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 the federal and state governments. Obviously, the good grant can show that we, we can extend that good status with them. Um, we've got a very embedded <clears throat> ESG focus for the bankers and, and other investors who have a good view on those things to bring into, into place. And we're in one of the best, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the most attractive jurisdictions from a mining point of view in, in the world. Um, and we, we think that that's very much to our benefit. Um, I think people have seen these geology slides, so I won't dwell on them, but um, just gives you an idea of the scale of our project and, and, and our setup. Just a couple of picks here that are relatively new. Um, our layout, um, you can see the processing concentrate plant well located in the center there. Um, some diagrams of our, of our future work is what the, the all body looks like in the pits. We've got a lot more vanadium than that with this processing, the high grade portion of it um, and our two plants. There'll be some good pictures coming out. Um, later on with our BFS of, of our new renderings of the, of the plant itself. Just, just quickly on this in terms of strategy, <clears throat> we're very interested in vertical integration of this process. So not only we're producing a high quality, uh, high quality material for the, um, from the processing plant uh, in terms of a high-grade vanadium product, but that allows us to immediately involve that in the battery space. So um, vanadium electrolyte and vanadium battery manufacturing and sales really require you to have high quality vanadium. And we can do this from the get-go. Um, we think we've got a vertically integrated process. <clears throat> and again, I refer, excuse me. <clears throat> again, I refer to, um, to LIGO uh, resources and their new strategy about involving um, uh, the battery side of things. So we're not alone in that, in that sense. So where are we going um, this year? 
finalising the BFS is our ongoing priority, and then working on both equity and debt, advi debt uh, engagement so we can start locking in those numbers, finalising our offtake agreements and getting our approvals um, all lined up so we can get on with it. We're building a, a vanadium electrolyte plant this year as well. Um, that is a commercial plant. We'll be building um, with a separate grant down at Quinana to about 33 megawatt hours. And that starts to embed um, that vertical integration and ability to deliver the vanadium flow batteries into the, a growing market. Obviously from there, once we get to a financial investment decision um, and we can then start to move on, locking in our partner decision and moving through to the EPC and construction startup. Now it's a tough market, I have to admit, um, we've got a global environment for um, a very um, unstable geopolitical environment right now. COVID's got lingering effects in terms of economics and movement, and there's definitely um, issues around inflation around the world. So we're coming into this in a very tough market. But on the upside, we've got a very, very positive uh, market for the vanadium product itself around the world and very, very strong upside on the battery uptake around the world. USV, our partners in the US, have just built an electrolyte plant. In fact, there it is, uh, my next slide. Um, they've just built the plant in uh, Arkansas. Uh, we're gonna be building an identical plant to that uh, in, in Quinana this year. Um, and that'll allow us to start to feed uh, vanadium flow battery delivery into Western Australia. And that plant is totally replicable. We have a, an agreement with USV that uh, is exclusive uh, for this technology and will allow us for Australia and New Zealand to to build multiple of these around the country as we look at local delivery of vanadium electrolyte into a growing market. So work's been underway already with that for some time and post, post uh, our BFS for the main project, this will become a focus of our, of our news flow. So keep an eye on that for everybody. Yeah, so we're in a, in a space now. Um, I'll just, um, just leave it at that. Um, we've got a very good team. We wanna be growing that team as we move to the next phase. The project is good timing. Um, the timing is well suited to the market and the growth. Uh, the project, as you said, it's very robust technically, both on the geological and the processing side. And we think that the integration across the multiple regions is, is perfect for, for what we're going to do. So we're just going to move on from here and just keep kicking on and fight our battles and make sure we can bring our timelines in from here. And I think the funding that you've seen, the funding that uh, 180 Markets has helped us to get here, um, is has been very very worthwhile. So I appreciate the team's work to get us to this point, and we'll we'll kick on from here with the uh, with our work ahead. Thanks, hey, Vincent. Thank you so much. Um, quick question, just with all the you know political unrest and so forth, and the fact that your project is in Australia. Anecdotally, are you seeing a lot more interest, just as far as you know, people looking for more secure or geographically desirable places to uh, to source product? Um, in terms of, um, sorry, I mean, from, from the, from the Vanadium yeah. point of view? Yeah. Yeah, look, absolutely. I think, I think but that's been an ongoing issue even before the Russian crisis here. Yeah, I called it the Russian crisis. Apparently, I, I shouldn't call it that. It's the Ukrainian crisis, but I think it's still a, it's a Russian crisis because Russia crisis. provides a lot of, it's a crisis generally. Russia provides a lot of uh, raw materials. We've seen it in the nickel market and, it affects a lot of markets out there. So I think it is a crisis that, that, that they bring into being. Um, yes, I think uh, it highlights the point that uh, supply chains are at risk, both from uh, being very heavily biased towards uh, China, Russia. Now you can add Russia to that mixture, right? So 
when you've got those two things in play and you want to avoid um, concentration of supply chains out of your out of your uh, geopolitical space or comfort zone, if you like, there is definitely um, opportunities to deal with Australia on a number of different fronts. So I think we've got to kick up uh, resource discovery and multiple commodities. We've already got to put push up the discovery and approval process here in Australia so we can start adding to those. And that includes a range of commodities, you know, including vanadium. Yeah. And some, something a lot of people are asking is um, in order to get the bigger funding for the project, it has a consolidation been talked about? With who? Uh, amongst, from investors to you guys. Is like a consolidation something you'd consider? Oh, a stock consolidation? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a tricky one. I mean, you know, I think most investors don't mind the um, the fact that the volume is there and the stock can move. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a it is a tricky one, um, Sean, and it's, it's one that always is on the lips of of you know of people around us inside and we always consider it but i think it's it's always it's a tricky thing when you're actually trying to get stuff done and there's good movement in the stock um it's a tradable stock uh people like it that way um and i think we will just keep moving until we we find a, a compelling reason to do otherwise yeah we definitely think it's uh not not a great idea but um yeah um now vince i'm gonna ask you a hard question um given where the stock is now it's pretty close to all-time high i mean it's not all time but it's back to the high since 2018 would you buy the stock now <laughs> yeah, of course i would okay good <laughs> no no absolutely no i think i think we've got a way to go there there's um you've got to look at the value just look at again i'll, I'll come back to logo because if people look at the share price of logo going back 10 years right and look at the journey that they've been on now they've had a pretty rocky road getting into this because they they started off their project delivery uh, in a, on a bit of a bumpy way. They had a very they had a market crash. The market was sub five dollars. Um, they had a good ore body, really good ore body. They messed up a bit on the um, on the initial um, estimate of how their plant would work, um, mainly because they underestimated uh, the weathering of their ore body. Even though it's in Brazil, um, you you can't underestimate these deposits have been lying around for two and a half billion years, right? So Largo's early mistake was that they underestimated the amount of oxidation in their ore body. And as a result, they had very low yields. And that cost them another two or $300 million um, in capital after the one that they that they started with. So if you, but if you look at it after that, they did a very good deal with Glencore. It was very much in Glencore's favor for offtake. But if you look at their stock price from that point on and where they sit today, they're a billion plus Canadian company, right? So a billion dollar strategy company starting at the same levels as where we were. So there's a generation, there's a story there that if you look at their, their latest financials, strong financials. So there's absolutely a story there for us to follow. Um, we believe the all body can deliver in the same way. We've got much lower operating cost opportunities here, um, stable environment. We're much closer to the coast. We've been able to put it together. So for us, if we can get even close to what they're delivering today, then I think that um, then the stock price is massively undervalued for where it sits right now. But then again, I'm, I'm somewhat biased, so I can't really <laughs> be asked that question, Sean. No, of course, I understand. Um, I mean, I think it ran in 2018 based solely on the vanadium price. Um, so it was quick up and quick down, which... Um, but fundamentally, so much further along. Fundamentally, the company is completely different now. 
Yeah, look, and that's where we've been, you know, we've been there to build that. We play a long game. It's a longer race. That's what we're here for. I think we'd have a lot of fun if the vanadium price went yeah. back to those levels. Um, <laughs> yeah, share price would triple. <laughs> uh, well, you know, that's possible in the short term. Um, once it gets, um, once the price actually goes past um, these these levels, where it is now, $13, it does run a bit harder and probably goes up to the $18, $19 before it starts to pair back because it starts to, um, it pushes right past its limit often. It doesn't, once it runs, it runs into a new space, and that's because there's a, a market supply demand imbalance, and it has to pull that back into, into, into line. And it, that normally takes six to 12 months. And given that we've just crossed into that threshold from January, and we're only in April, we can see that running for a while. And the Russian crisis is not helping that because we've taken, effectively taken 10,000 tonnes or, or thereabouts out of a 110,000 tonne market. And we have doing that probably for a long time, not just for a short time. Then some another another question that people are asking us is um, they know that there's the company needs funding. They don't know if it's going to be equity or debt, but a few of them are saying, why should they buy the stock now when they can probably get into a capital raise in the medium term? Um, that's always a risk that they can take uh, I, I think the demand will be very high and it'll be an institutional buy uh, you know we, we know we know that you guys we, we had that discussion before these are institutional opportunities when they come up and you they also could be... we could do the whole raise Vince. <laughs> oh, of course yes of course I'm sorry same, I price, say same price as last time <laughs> I think some of your shareholders are holding my options which were at the same price as last time yes, I think. yeah correct I'm not mistaken so hopefully they hopefully yeah, they correct. can take advantage of that and, and that is a that is something I mean to say on this. They, it looks like there's a good opportunity in those options. They're only running for a couple of months now. So we have had some option exercising uh, calls in the last few days, as you can imagine. So if any one of your investors is running, is sitting on some of those, maybe now's a good time to, to take advantage of that. And we wants the money, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I think uh, the question is, uh, you, you might think that that's possible, but I don't... We don't know where that uh, what that form will be, right? So this, so it's very tricky to to sit and think that you're going to get in line for that. As yeah. a shareholder, you will you you will get something along the way. You know, we're never going to leave our shareholders out of things, uh, not at this stage. Um, but if you're not a shareholder, I wouldn't be waiting in line. Right, and that's it. And the BFS is your in your mind is that the big catalyst for 2022? Um, it's sort of a it's a stepping stone, Greg. I'm not I'm not sitting on it going. It's, it's the one thing that will move me one right. way or the other. Oh, sure. It's a it's a comp. It's basically it's, it's a it's a stepping stone on my side to get the rest of my stuff done. You know, I really want to go. The most exciting things for me are to lock in lock in definitive offtake for the company. That's going to be one of the key things because that's where the that's where the bank guys want to see. Um, so those are the big hurdles for me. And the locking in a good offtake agreement is really where you want to be here. Uh, I think the study for me is is um, is just a pathway to to getting it done. We've done the work. Uh, we now got to just illustrate that work to the market and go and go and sell the project to to uh, to everybody. Okay, and also on, on an offtake, is the offtake agreements generally more with um, tr trading places or end users? Can you talk about that at all? It's it's a it's a combination, Greg. Um, you end up you end up negotiating with competitors. You know, like, you know, literally, like Blago, okay. Glencore, that those are people that will buy your stuff from you, even though they produce themselves. 
Sure. Um, so there's end users, which are right down to the individual mills. <clears throat> Other producers in China also, you know, where we've got uh, major users are, are knocking on doors. New users, uh, traders. Uh, traders tend to not want to do good offtake agreements because they, they just want to say, we'll sell it for you, which is different from actually saying, we'll buy it off you and sell it later. It's a different, sure. That's a different thing. And then there's individual customer relationships that we will develop with end users ourselves. So there's, there's a mixture of things in there. Um, that we will try and, and do. So, and some some off-takers will want to invest. So there's that cornerstone thing, Sean answering your other question, is that when you're in that negotiation process is you might get a cornerstone knock on the yep. door. And they, they want that definitive view and the government grant also puts us in the right spectrum for that. They know that the, this, this project is going to go. So now they'll be more comfortable to make that call. Right, Gavin. So we've opened up the floor now to questions. So if anyone else wants to ask a question, please um, either raise your hand or type in the Q&A below. Um, so a question from Patrick. TMT is situated right next to AVL's project site. Is there any discussions with them around co-processing their ore or m and um, Good question, Patrick. Um, look, their neighbours, they're also competitors, so that always has a thing. We're very, very small market. We're not gold miners or nickel miners that that uh, that are in the same space. So the, <clears throat> the competitive situation is very different. Um, we have plenty of ore of our own. Um, we don't necessarily need any more ore. Uh, if we did have any more ore, we'd have to value it at the end of our processing life. So if you know anything about discounted cash flows, um, I would value any ore from TMT at the end of my project life, so around year 25 or year 30 which wouldn't give it much value in my sense. And they would do the same if they were looking at my ore. So at the moment, we, we're proceeding on our own independent paths um, with a good neighborly uh, view ab about that. Um, how the, what the future holds, I don't know, um, but certainly um, if, if that opportunity came up in the, in the right context, the right value for AVL shareholders, it would certainly, uh, you know, we'd sit down and have a chat about it. Hey, Vincent, someone's just given me a question. In your mind, what is the biggest risk from a delivery point of view for AVL over the next couple of years? Um, there's two. There's two risks at the moment in terms of timing risk. They're not. They're not risks as in not being able to deliver. Obviously, funding risk is always going to be there, and the world falls apart, and someone drops right. a nuke on something, and then we're all we're all fucked anyway. So um, you can't do much about that. But in terms of delivery risk for us in our world, it's it's uh, the timing of approvals. Um, and, and red, green, and, and, and other tape that we might encounter. Um, now, I think there's the grant itself, plus our good our work in government here on the lead agency status. We see a lot of goodwill on making those things work. However, the agencies that are involved, particularly at state levels, can sometimes uh, inhibit uh, delivery of timetables. Um, so approval is always going to be a problem in Australia in terms of that, but we make sure we put manpower behind that and expertise to make it work. The other delivery um, issue is around the supply chain of equipment, like large gear. Uh, where do we get this gear from? I'm sorry, I'm not looking in the camera here. Uh, where do we get where do we get gear from? Um, how long does that gear take to get to us? And, and is the price of that gear reasonable? So uh, we're talking, you know, large parts, large pieces of equipment here that have to come from around the part around the world. That is, I think, the key thing right now for all, not just for AVL, for every project trying to be delivered in the world, is can we get reasonably priced large equipment, mills, roasters, crushers, um, piping, um, things that you would have 
a year and a half ago, you would have thought were just straightforward. These things are not straightforward anymore. And they can, their delivery timetables are out of sight. So, and their pricing is, is, is you know, really, really strange right now and, and volatile. Um, so we, those are, I think, the biggest risk we have is to deal with that. Um, there, is, there are ways of doing that, by the way. And one of those is to engage with your end, uh, we call it, uh, the engineering guys call it early contractor engagement or early contractor involvement, where you select your end player. Uh, you probably pay a slight premium for doing so, but you select your partner, your engineering partner for delivery of that equipment early on. And that's the way you form a relationship that's almost like a, a joint venture, but it's not quite, it's like, okay, I want you to do this. You work on the things together, you form relationships, and with those relationships, you can bring those timelines together. And that's, and that's one of our strategies we'll, we'll be using to, to get around these difficult times. And in the delivery timetable, one to two years of this, of this project, we will be looking at a better, um, at, a, at a way of, of bringing those things in. And also we think that that time, that those things will improve over time. This, this is a crisis that we're going through globally. COVID will, will, will wane. China will become less uh, constrained by its own capabilities. And, and uh, the Russian thing will either subdue or end, end quickly. Okay. okay. About wrap it up now. Vincent, do you have any closing remarks for everybody? No, no, thanks for the opportunity, guys. Good to be involved with you and, and glad we could give the guys an update. Right. Anybody, thank you everyone for attending. We will publish the video afterwards. And also, if anyone has any follow up questions, we'll just really them over to you, Vince. Again, Vince, thanks so much for your time. And Ari's pleasure. Bye Talk bye. to you soon, guys. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you for watching another presentation by 180 Markets. Don't forget, if you want access to thousands of ASX capital raises, head on over to 180markets.com.au, sign up, and get on board for our very next capital raise. Thanks for watching.